You are now listening to The Nosebleeds with your hosts, Kush Parikh and Corey Johnson. Be sure to check us out weekly on Tuesday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Follow us on social media to stay up to date with the podcast on Twitter at the underscore nosebleeds. That's K-N-O-W-S bleeds. Instagram at the nosebleeds and on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash the nosebleeds. Yo, what up, everybody? Welcome back to the Nosebleeds Podcast. That's K-N-O-W-S Bleeds. It's your boy. You already know it's your boy, Kush, and I'm here with my co-host. As always, Corey Johnson, Mr. Corey Johnson. We got Corey in the house, as always. And Corey... It is that time of the year, one of our favorite times, the Nosebleed's favorite time, and that is NBA season, and we're here to talk about NBA-only episode, give all of our predictions, all of our playoffs, who we think is going to win. Corey, how are you feeling about this, my man? Man, NBA's back. We got a good matchup to start out the season between the Warriors and the Lakers, but gotta love that Nets versus Bucks mm-hmm. opening tip-off game that man i'm so hyped for it because to be honest with you there's a lot of different things that we've seen just going in the off season we got ben simmons over here missing practice getting suspended i it's think that's getting, a, i think that crazy. might be a sixers thing practice we talk about practice <laughs> for real though my man was, was not trying to show up but dog it's it's going down for sure Let's get into it. So we're going to start off with our regular season predictions. We're going to go through which uh, or each seeding from the playoffs, the one through six to the play-in, the seven through 10, and through the lottery teams for each conference, 11 through 15. We're going to give where we think uh, that team is going to finish. So let's get started. Let's start off with the Eastern Conference. Let's go with the 15th seed, last place in the Eastern Conference. Who do you have, Corey? Uh, for me, it was kind of a, a, a tough one um, to see who was going to, you know, end up with that uh, 15C. But I'm going to go with the Cavs. Uh, I think that the Cavs are, are going in the right direction, but I think that they got a lot of young guys that they're still trying to figure things out as far as lineup. I definitely am really excited to see what Evan Mobley looks like. Um, they picked him up in the draft this year as their top pick. And I'm kind of interested to see what they have to do with their guard situation between Colin Sexton uh, and, and what they're going to do as far as, you know, are they going to develop those guys? Are they going to maybe think about moving off of one of those guys? Are they going to be willing to keep hold of Kevin Love? Is this the time where they finally feel the need to get Love out of there? Because he's still been there ever since LeBron, Kyrie, and all them guys left <laughs> Cleveland. So I'm wondering if Love is a, uh, is uh, going to be moved uh, sometime this season because they look like they're definitely rebuilding for sure. And I think that they are not going to be a really great team. They might have spurts. They might have moments. And I think that they're going in the right direction, but I just don't see them having a great overall season this year. Got them finishing 15. For me, 15th, I'm going to go with the Detroit Pistons. They think they still might be the worst team in the NBA. They got the number one pick, spent it on Kate Cunningham, who I do like, and I think he's going to have a great season, but 
They got him to go alongside their first or their previous first round picks, Killian Hayes, Sadiq Bay, and Isaiah Stewart. And although Dwayne Casey is a decent head coach and the Pistons have promising young players, it still seems like it's going to be another two to three years for the Pistons to start being in that playoff contention. So I, I just think, and especially them losing Plumlee, you know, he was one of their stars. I, I'm not even going to say stars, one of their bright spots uh, <laughs> last season. Um, but yeah, I think all of last year they were tanking for that number one pick. They got it. And I still see them possibly tank it for another number one pick, especially with this draft class coming up. It's going to be a nice one. So that's why I have the Detroit Pistons at 15. Moving on to number 14 in the East. I got the Orlando Magics. I think they got a steal in Jalen Suggs at number four. But the problem with the Magic is that they have young and promising players, but they don't have a single established player on their team who can, you know, is that could be that go-to player. Look at their guards. They have Jalen Suggs, Cole Anthony, RJ Hampton, and Markel Fultz when he comes back from injury. You look at their big men, Wendell Carter, Jonathan Isaac when he comes back from injury, Chumo Kiki, and then Mo Bamba. So I they have a lot of young, promising players, like I mentioned, but I don't think these guys can do damage in the Eastern Conference yet. But they definitely have something to be optimistic about uh, going towards their future. Who do you have at 14, Corey? 14, I'm going with the Detroit Pistons. Um, similar to what you were saying, Kate Cunningham coming in there at the number one overall spot. All eyes are going to be on him to be the savior of Detroit. But I think, like you said, it's going to take at least three years for them to start, you know, somewhat hopefully moving in the right direction for their sake. But to be honest with you, I think this season is just going to be all about what does Kate Cunningham look like then more so than how the team is going to be doing? Because the team, I think, is still a mess. I think they still got a lot of different holes that they need to be filling up. Uh, Dwayne Casey is a good coach, like you mentioned. Just sucks that he has to be on this team and affiliated with this franchise. But, he thought he was uh, coming to Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond. <laughs> I know, and, they, and all them guys are gone now, so that's crazy. But uh, now I think that the Pistons, honestly, are just going to be looking to rebuild through the draft and see what they can do. Um, I think Kay Cunningham could be rookie of the year, but we will see. Uh, and overall, I think the Pistons are in for a long, long season. Sorry, Piston fans. Moving on to 13, who do you have? 13, I'm going to go with the Orlando Magic. Like you said, not really a whole lot of an identity and for so long, they were kind of in the purgatory phase of being like that mid-tier level team. And right now, it seems as if they have guys who are good. But like you said, no outright star or guy that you can definitely build around. And um, I think that they've got a surplus of guards that at some point or another, they might have to move off of one or maybe a couple of those guys because it's like you got all these young guards, but there's only one ball to go around so uh Jalen Sugg is going to be the primary focus he needs to develop right away after you went ahead and made him your top overall pick and so the focus I think needs to be towards him and it's a good thing he can play combo guard so he can play shooting guard and play point guard um I think that's a good addition now see how he pairs up with Cole Anthony RJ Hampton and Markel Fultz I feel like are (laughs) kind of hanging on by their last threads with this franchise but uh, the rest of the team, Wendell Carter, I think kind of needs to show that he can improve his game and be more than just a defensive rim protector. And then overall, I just think that this team is not expected to really do anything. And if they do, it would help. It would shock everybody, including the Magic, I think, themselves. But I think 13th is probably the best that they could hope for this year. 
to add on a bit on the magic, they got uh, Jalen Suggs at five, not four. So I made that mistake. And second of all, bold, bold, bold prediction. I think Jalen Suggs is going to be a Hall of Famer. Okay. I, th- I think he is. I mean, he could have. He... I haven't seen a single minute of him playing in the regular season of, of the NBA yet. I think he's going to be a Hall of Famer. He's a more athletic Chris Paul, in my opinion. You know what's crazy is that he honestly could have played football and he really mm-hmm. could have been like a dual threat. Uh, uh, like he was just, I think he was honestly a better quarterback uh, than a basketball player to me. Off, off topic, but I saw an interview with Allen Iverson. Same thing. He football. He was. He says that he was better at football than at basketball. So, he so only I mean, if but the craziness is like after you saw the impact he had at Gonzaga, and now he had them in position to go undefeated and win a championship. And I know it wasn't just him, but he played a huge role with that team and how he can transition into the NBA. He's just won every single place he's been at, high school, college, every place he's gone, he always has a winning impact. And I think that the Magic are going to hope that that translates to the NBA. Absolutely. Number 13 for me, I'm going to go with the Cleveland Cavaliers. This team's kind of confusing because they have their guard duo, Sexland, obviously Garland and Sexton, <laughs> and then they have their five starting caliber big men that they have, Evan yeah. Mobley, Laurie Markkinen, Kevin Love, Jared Allen, and then you can even maybe even throw in Ed Davis and then Taco Fall, who they got on two-way contract. They also but, got J- uh, Jack Harlow on there as well. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. That was funny when I saw that tweet. He said, is that me? <laughs> uh but yeah honestly outside of garland and sexton they really have no depth at uh the guard position besides ricky rubio who i'm like not even really bought on uh but i don't see the big picture with this team because they're not good enough to be a playoff team but i don't think they're bad enough to get another top five pick maybe i'll be wrong but I expect them to make moves this season, and obviously the big one, I know Kevin Love says he doesn't want to be bought out, but I definitely see him being bought out and signing with a contending team, uh, especially that would be the best move for Cleveland to give a guy like Laurie Markkinen, who they just got, or Evan Mobley, you know, more playing time and uh, you know more cohesiveness in this uh, team. But that's why I got the Cleveland Cavaliers at 13. Number 12, I got the Wizards. Oh, the Washington Wizards. <laughs> I did. I, I will say I did like their signing of Dinwiddie. They traded Westbrook for uh, KCP Kuzma and Juan Trezero to the Lakers. Uh, and this team, in my opinion, does look better than last season. Um, they, they have better players surrounding Beal, but it's just not enough. Their big man situation is probably their best thing going for them outside of Bradley Beal with Gafford, who they just signed to a three or $40 million deal, which he got the bag for that. And then Montrez Harold, they got from the trade and then Thomas Bryant, who will return from his knee injury. But in my opinion with the Washington, where is the reason why I have him this low is because I fully expect Bradley Beal to be traded this season. If it's not by the trade deadline, it's going to be in the off season, but I believe that this will be Bradley Beal's last year uh, putting on that wizard's Jersey. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I got the Wizards at 12, um, and I'm expecting Beal to get traded, too. Um, It's kind of crazy to think about because, you know, John Wall, who was the face of the Wizards franchise for so long, he got dealt. Russell Westbrook, who was there for a minute, he got dealt. But Bradley Beal, when you think about it, has really been their guy for as long as I can remember. He's been consistently on the court he's consistently uh uh always kept this team within striking distance of like either in the playoffs or around that area but I just think that for him 
I know that he doesn't care about whether or not he gets traded or not. He's fine where in content where he's at. But I just I just hope that the Wizards realize that it's like, okay, you're really not gonna go anywhere with the current set of players that you have on your payroll. You kind of need to start making some moves in that direction. So I would move off of Bill in hopes of trying to, you know, lower the team's projected win total in order for you to get a top five pick. Cause I think that would definitely be something that you can look forward to and build around for, you know, the next, you know, few years or so, and then have, you know, the surrounding pieces around that player so he can get better and develop. But ultimately the Wizards, I think, like you said, uh, I just don't see them doing, they could honestly, if they keep Bill, they could be in the play in mix. Uh, that's why I have my 12 because they could be right definitely. there. Uh, number 11, who do you have? Number 11, I'm going with the New York Knicks. I think last year. Wow. Yeah, I know. Last year, I feel like they they kind of, they, they they surprised a lot of people. But I think this year, they're going to have to take a little bit of a, of a downgrade just because of all the different teams that got better than, than them. I know that they got, uh you know, they built like a lot of different winning mentality. They've got a lot of good young players like, uh, and the coaching staff has been, a godsend. New York is was all hype about making the playoffs last year, but I think, man, it, I wouldn't be shocked if there are some other teams that just went above them and got bet and 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 got better than them. Because you look at the 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 way that the East is shaping out. You, Toronto got better, the Hornets got better, Chicago got better. I mean, I feel like a lot of these different teams got better, and even though it is like you know a lot of these teams' first seasons together playing together i think that they are going to give the uh the knicks uh some problems and the knicks are gonna come back to earth a little bit but they'll be right around that playing tournament uh but i just got them missing out from fourth seed to 11 seed eh? hey for me i got the toronto raptors uh i went from thinking the raptors were overrated last season which they were to thinking they're kind of underrated this season. It's officially the post-Kyle Lowry era, but I still like the team. You look at Van Fleet, Siakam, whenever Siakam comes back, they're going to do their thing. And then they got Dragic in that Lowry trade. They got Gary Trent, OG Ananobi. Uh, they'll be solid role players for this team. And they went from not having a solid big man as their Achilles heel last year to getting three solid ones. They obviously have Chris Boucher when he comes back from injury. They got Kim Birch middle of last season. And they got Precious Achua from that uh Kyle Lowry trade as well and then my favorite player from this team this season which is ironic because I was shitting on the Raptors for drafting him over Jalen Suggs <laughs> but that's Scotty Barnes he has yeah. watching him in the preseason yeah he has very underrated playmaking ability he's a great defender he does need to polish more on the offensive side of things but uh I I I think he has great potential in this league. And I'm also a little biased because I have him on my fantasy team. But <laughs> <laughs> I genuinely think he's going to be a key for them, especially in the beginning of the season with Siakam out and Boucher out. I think that's his his time to really get the most amount of playing time uh, and, you know, shine in it. But you look at their wing defense of Siakam, OG Ananobi, and Scotty Barnes, that's going to be absolute hell for opposing wing players when they got to play him. But – I, this is not saying that the Toronto Raptors are bad, but like you mentioned, just so many teams in the East have gotten better that they had to be the team that I had to leave out of the play in tournament. 
Moving on to the playing teams. Let's go to number 10. I got the Indiana Pacers, new head coach, Rick Carlisle, solid team, but kind of a wild card when it comes to injuries with them. We saw Miles Turner, TJ Warren, Karis LeVert all injured last season, which led to them eventually getting smoked by the Washington Wizards in the playing tournament. But if they stay healthy, I like their chances of making the playoffs and possibly giving a one or two seed a run for their money in the playoffs. But I have them right now at the 10 seed because obviously it's a bonus and Malcolm Brogdon, who they just paid, are going to do their thing. But it's the role players around them that whether they can come together, whether they'll be healthy and get the job done. Who do you have at number 10? Number 10, got to go with Charlotte, baby. MJ, Charlotte, they get in that 10 spot for me. They're going to be in the playing tournament. Very young team, but man, this team looks scary on paper with PJ Washington, Gordon Hayward, LaMelo Ball, Terry Rozier. And then I feel like they honestly had a really, really sneaky draft uh, getting Bolt right and, and uh, uh, Kai Jones. Of, Kai Jones, yes, Kai Jones. Uh, I feel like that was really sneaky of them to be able to pick up those gun guys to add to already a plethora of talent that they already have at their disposal. I think the biggest thing for them is can they stay healthy? Because obviously Gordon Hayward, you know, sometimes he he, he doesn't seem like he can stay healthy. Uh, can LaMelo stay healthy? If, as long as they stay healthy, I feel like this team is going to really cause a lot of uh, teams in the East some problems. And it's really going to make a whole lot of noise in the NBA. And I feel like it's going to be a tie between them and the Bulls for the most exciting team to watch in the East this year, for sure. We had those teams as our two underrated teams. We said that <laughs> last episode. Make sure you guys check that out if you didn't. But moving on to number nine, who do you have? Number nine, I got the Indiana Pacers. Like you were saying, I feel like the Pacers uh, made it into the playing tournament last year, got smacked up. But I feel like they'll be right back in that mix, man, because they they're, they're one of the, those teams that are not going to wow you. But at the same time, they definitely have a, a, a a key component of guys that know what it takes in order to get to the playoffs. They've done it before and I can definitely see them doing it again. The key will be whether or not they can actually get into the postseason because, you know, it's, it's, t- it's going to be a tough grind to just get through it and be able to make it into that play in tournament. But uh, if they stay healthy and no sort of like big injuries to their lineup, I don't see why they, they can't make it into the play in. For me, at number nine, I got to go with the Charlotte Hornets. I touched on them last episode when I mentioned them as the most underrated team in the league. I think their five-year playoff drought comes to an end. And uh, no, obviously this season, barring no major injuries. But looking at their rotation, they have seven solid guys in their rotation. But the reason why I think they're underrated is because two guys that you touched on that I didn't include in the seven-man rotation is their rookies, James Booknight and Kai Jones. I think they are going to be the needle movers for this team. If they can perform to the expectations of even just all-rookie second-team caliber players, I like the Hornets' chance of making the playoffs this season. Because remember, before LaMelo got injured last season, they were a third and fourth seed in the Eastern Conference. And when he came back, he just didn't look the same. Maybe they rushed him back, something like that. But given a full offseason – to recover and the new addition for their team, I would say watch out for Eric Collins and the Hornets this season. And if you guys don't know Eric Collins, just look him up. Do you know who Eric Collins is? I actually don't. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll, I'll, just, I'll just give you a, a little snippet of Eric Collins. Oh, Terry! <laughs> I'm a diddly dee! Molly Bridges! Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I 
that dude's wild. That I love that guy. He, he is great. And that he's honestly having, he's, seeing he's how so fun genuine the Hornets, with, you too. with how fun the Hornets are going to be this season, add Eric Collins to that mix too. They, you're going to see him on all highlight uh, pages on Instagram, Twitter, everything like that. Yeah, he's going to be wild out for sure. Moving on to number eight, I got the New York Knicks over here. The Knicks, they had a solid season last year, and in my opinion, they only got better. They finished fourth seed last season, like I mentioned, um, but I have them slipping into the playing tournament because I feel like the East got a lot better this season, and you got to look at it. Top three in defense in the league last season, but they were bottom three in offense. So what did they go out and do? They get Cardiac Kemba. They get Evan Fournier, two guys that could potentially light it up the offense. And plus, Kemba's looking to have a bounce back season this year. So this team's nine to ten man rotation is actually very good. And I think they'll be able to hang with some of the top teams in uh, both conferences. That's why I have them at number eight. Who do you have at number eight? Number eight. I have the Toronto Raptors. Uh, I feel like the Toronto Raptors, uh, the biggest thing for them is when they'll get their star players back, obviously, from uh, with Siakam and those guys. But I think they'll, they have a team that I think can hold the ship and is going to surprise early on. And as long as they hang like around like 500 or so and those guys come back, there's no reason why they won't go ahead and make a run and get into that uh, eighth spot for me. Number seven, who do you have? Number seven, I'm going with the Chicago Bulls. Uh, I, I told you guys already, the Chicago Bulls, I'm, gonna, I'm very excited to see what they look like this year. And I think their one thing I'm kind of nervous about is defense, which is why I couldn't sell out and go crazy with the predictions and have them be in like the fourth or fifth spot. So I, I think they got to settle for a, a, number, a number seven sp- a spot, but that's not not any knock to them because I think they went out, they spent their money well in the free agency, got Lonzo Ball, Alex Caruso, and DeMar DeRozan to pair up with Zach Levine and Vucevic, who I feel like already they were a playoff team without the free agents that they had. Now you add those free agents onto them and they definitely legitimize them as a serious threat to get at least the AFC, but maybe even go above and beyond that. But I think it just all depends on defense, defense, defense. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I got the Chicago Bulls at number seven, probably the team that made the most noise this offseason. They made a splash last season at the trade deadline, got Vucevic, and then they made more splashes this offseason, added Lonzo Ball, got the bald eagle, Alex Caruso, and then DeMar DeRozan, which was the surprise one. Their lineup? like starting lineup is one of the best in the entire NBA. And, but it's the bench that concerns me. Caruso, Kobe white, who they were in Kobe white come back from a shoulder surgery. They're the only ones that I could really trust off the bench and their Achilles heel for me. You, you mentioned it defense, but they don't have a decent big man. Like God forbid Vucevic goes down. Tony Bradley's not going to get the job done. So I could definitely possibly even see this team trying to get a solid backup big man or even in the buyout market, maybe even go after a guy like Kevin Love in the in the buyout market. Just a guy who has experience um, and and has have a veteran backup big man with uh, experience. But that's why I got the Bulls at seven. Moving on to the playoff teams that are going to secure a spot after this season. Let's start off with number six. I'm gonna go with the Philadelphia 76ers. <laughs> this team 
is going to be interesting to watch all season long. It's already been interesting, the beginning of the season with the Ben Simmons drama. The team just announced that he will be suspended for the first game this season and was thrown out of practice for being a distraction and not doing what the team wanted to do. The memes are out of control with whatever he they thought he was doing. They were probably like, all right, shooting drills. And Ben Simmons just walked off the court. But... He was being a distraction in practice, bro. He was probably just like, because I saw a video of him back at practice and dude was like in a drill and he looked like, I don't want to be there. Bro, he had had his phone in his pocket. (laughs) I don't know if you saw that video. He had a phone in his pocket and it was lit up. So he was just like, he probably wasn't even paying attention. It's like, yo, I don't want to be here. (laughs) I think the craziest thing that has come out from uh, Tuesday's news was Joel Embiid's interview after he after the practice and he basically said i don't care about that man we're not here to babysit him so it's a there's a good amount of drama if you're if your star player is saying that but i still have him at number six just because doc rivers is a great regular season coach that's why i have him in the with not or i have them avoiding the playing tournament because uh doc rivers is a great regular season coach but in my opinion, whether they have Ben Simmons or they trade him for a solid piece, which Adrian Wojnarowski just tweeted that the Sixers are still looking for a championship contending piece to trade for. They're not going to trade him for any old role player um, uh, if, if he was to be traded. So I, I think the Sixers will be fine in the regular season. But boy, is the drama stirring in Philadelphia. Who do you have at number six? Number six, I'm right there with you, man. I got the Philadelphia 76ers and uh to be honest with you, I think this is the best thing that could have happened uh, is just like keeping him away from the team as, as much as possible, because when he's there, I think he's in, in. You know how Jimmy Butler, when he showed up to practice, he was just like trying to embarrass people and selling out. Ben Simmons oh. is doing the total opposite of that. Can you imagine if Jimmy Butler was still on this team with all this <laughs> yo, going on? Yo, oh they would be fighting. God, no, they would be fighting. They would be. They would be fighting being for thrown, sure. Yes. Sure. They, Jimmy Butler and Ben Simmons would be fighting for sure because he would be like, yo, what the hell is going on here? And so uh, I honestly just think that th- this whole situation just, like you said, it's just gotten ridiculous. It's totally gotten out of hand. And um, the Sixers don't necessarily like need to feel like they're in panic mode and need to trade them. They need to just – focus on who's there and who is willing to uh to put to put it on the line and put it uh to be at practice to be focused and trying to get ready for the season and i think they honestly still have a good team people forget like they still have a good team with or without ben simmons people forget this they still have a team that is not only capable of going to the playoffs but still a championship contender if you really think about it they still have everybody there they didn't lose any like serious key pieces so to be honest with you, I think that this is what Ben Simmons, like I said, he's, he's doing the opposite of Jimmy Butler and he's just going ahead instead of like, you know, you know, going crazy at practice, this dude's going lazy at practice. <laughs> and, so, and so the front office is definitely looking at this and taking notes and just like, okay, that's how you want to play it. All right, for sure. So this is definitely going to be a, uh, and it's funny because he was he was he was a uh, dating uh, Kardashian at one point, so it's no it's no no coincidence that he and this would have so much drama so much drama involved with this. So I think that uh, Joel said it best. They don't need to focus on what that dude's going on, and they don't need to feel like a babysitter to him. They need to just focus on who's there and try to put up W's. And I think that they will. They'll get a six seed, and 
it'll be kind of we'll see we'll see we'll see where it goes from there number five who do you have number five was last season's shockers uh i got the atlanta hawks uh, and I think it's going to be a respectable five, but I honestly could see them moving up from this. I think this is like the bare minimum I expect out of them right now is that they should be at, at least at the five spot. Um, they definitely took big time steps last year as a team. I think that the cohesiveness and the, and the chemistry is going to be something that we see throughout the course of the season, just getting developed and developed. And I kind of just want to see what Trey Young kind of does after the breakout season that he had and the, and the performances that he had in the playoffs, what's he going to do this season? Is he going to, you know, step up his game? Are, are the Hawks going to step up their game and be even better? Or are they going to kind of take a back seat? So I think that the, the biggest thing is going to see what this team looks like after they have such, such a uh, spectacular, magical uh, playoff run last year. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I got the Hawks at five, uh, made the conference finals last year, but I haven't dropped in a bit. And honestly, you hit the nail on the head saying that you wouldn't be surprised if they move up because I am too, because you saw their start last season. Then they brought Nate McMillan on and you saw how that turned out. So I, I could definitely see the Hawks doing even better than five, but they're basically the same team uh, running it back uh, with some new rookies on their team. Uh, but I think they're just a victim of the East getting better. But this season, Trey Young is going to be in the MVP conversation. I could definitely see that this season. So that's why I got the Hawks at number five. Man, imagine you got if Kyler Murray wins the NFL MVP and you got Trey Young winning NBA MVP. You're going to have the shortest dudes. <laughs> and they both went to Oklahoma. And they both went to Oklahoma. That would be the craziest thing, too. That will. Uh, number four, I got the Boston Celtics. Corey's favorite team got better <laughs> this offseason. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. I just, I'm going to give you shit for nah, that. No, no, no. Hey, I'll take it on. I'll take it on. I did. Hey, we, hey, we in love, case you guys don't know, last year I was all in on the Boston Celtics last year. And let's just say it did not work out <laughs> as I thought it did. But, we hey. love bold predictions here, though. So it's all good. But they got rid of Kemba's contract, got Dennis Schroeder for the low, low. Um, they got a big man who can stretch the floor and Al Horford got solid wing defender and Josh Richardson. So they made a lot of good moves in Brad Stevens first time in the front office. So we'll see what their new head coach as well, too. But I think they brought in pieces that can be beneficial for this team. And obviously, I expect more of the same that we saw last year from uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. So I actually like the Celtics uh, this season. I like them too. I got them. That's why I got them at four as well. Um, I like that tandem of Tatum and Brown. The only thing is, is that the reason I can't put them any higher is because you look at the teams that I got above them. And I think anybody would say, yeah, they're, they're, they're probably better than them at this current time. Uh, and I think what's going to be key for the Celtics, not this year, but going forward is what do they do to get better? What do they do to get on the level of the Bucks, the Heat, the Nets? Like, what do they do in order to try to get back in that championship mix? Because it wasn't just a couple years ago that people were saying that this team was going to dominate for the next couple years, decades or so. But, you know, oh, how quickly things can change. So I think that the Celtics this year are going to still be that team going to be interesting to see uh how they look to start the season but i'm expecting by mid-season for them to be back on that stride back on that same playoff 
mentality and getting at least a fourth spot for me. Who do you have at number three? Number three, I'm going with the Miami Heat. And I feel like moving off of Gordon Dragic and picking up Kyle Lowry was a really solid move overall for them. And pairing him up with Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, you got that three-headed monster of guys who are two-way type players who are going to sell it on the defensive end, can also give you buckets. The only thing that kind of makes me nervous about this team is what are you going to see about Tyler Hero? Can he have a bounce back here? Because he definitely dropped off after he had such a brilliant season in the bubble. Like he did unbelievable things in the bubble. He was over here playing out of his mind. And then last season, he didn't go and take that next step. He kind of regressed a bit. And he kind of was, I was kind of scratching my head at least wondering like, what's up? Like, was he kind of just, because Jason Tatum, I think said it best. Some guys, they played really well in the bubble. Like they would never, ever play outside the bubble. And maybe, you know, maybe that was like, you know, just one instance where uh, some guys were just having just such a good, you know, flow of it. And they enjoyed that sort of AAU type environment. But I think that Tyler Hero definitely is going to be a big key piece. And if he's able to get things going, then this Miami Heat team gets that much deeper because we already know what their bench, we already know what Duncan Robinson is going to do. And we already know what the rest of those guys are going to do. But I think Tyler Hero is their their enigma, if you will. And if he gets the, and if he's playing at his highest level, it's a scary sight indeed. (laughs) I'm right there with you. Number three, I got the Miami Heat. Uh, To touch on your Tyler Hero uh, point, I think, this season having more of a prominent role coming off the bench because you didn't know how whether Goran Dragic was starting or not Kendrick Nunn was starting or not Tyler Hero was starting or not so I think him having a more prominent role off the bench will definitely help him because he definitely showed flashes of uh of of being good last season but in terms of the Miami Heat let's try this again I'm all aboard the Miami Heat hype train this season because I was all aboard it last year but injuries was just brutal to them and then obviously they ran into the champions uh milwaukee bucks in the first round so those it was kind of just brutal all all around for the miami heat but you mentioned got kyle lowry that was huge one thing that not a lot of people mention is they got victor oladipo too who is currently injured but he's expected to come back sometime around january and he doesn't even have to be the victor oladipo that you know we knew him to be with the pacers with the thunder with the magic he just needs to be you know somewhat a victor oladipo so and then on top of that they added pj tucker markeith morris this might be the best defensive team in the NBA with offensive versatility. And then you obviously have Eric Spolstra at the helm over there too. So I I, I like the Miami heat this season Uh, comparison. I think they would be the jazz of the Eastern conference where they're just team ball. They can get it done on both sides of the ball um, and they have go-to guys that they can go to. So I like the Miami heat this season. Moving to number two, I'm going to go with the Brooklyn Nets. Like the Sixers all offseason, it was all about Kyrie Irving, whether he would get vaccinated, whether he would play this season. Um, But this team did a great job loading up their bench with veterans like Patty Mills, James Johnson, Paul Millsap, LaMarcus Aldridge, and then getting Blake Griffin back as well, too. So with or without Kyrie Irving, the Nets have two of the best offensive players in the game in Kevin Durant and James Harden. So they have a lot. They have a better team, in my opinion, than last season. If you look at their playoff roster, just because they have better role players and a healthy James Harden, because Kyrie was mostly injured throughout the playoffs last season. And the Nets were an inch or two away for competing for NBA championship if you know KD didn't have such big shoes but 
I think that this this season they're still it's championship contention and they're one of the favorites too in the championship, obviously because they have Kevin Durant and James Harden. And if Kyrie Irving comes back, that's just the cherry on top of all this. So that's why I like the Brooklyn Nets at the second seed. Who do you have? Yeah, I'm right there with you because with Brooklyn, um, with Kyrie, they're scary. They're already scary with both James Harden, but they're, it just feels like you can't, how do you guard that? Like, and we saw it at certain points throughout last season when they were all playing together. It's like, how do you guard this? Because James Harden, because you can't double team any of these guys. You can't double team because one-on-one, you, I think Kevin Durant is probably the toughest guy to guard just because of his wingspan and his versatility and the way that he's able to literally be a seven foot guard damn here. And so you look at the fact that you don't have Kyrie, who's not really to me, Kyrie's not, he's yes, he plays the point guard position, but I don't think he's a a point guard. I think he's more of a, of a, of a very versatile shooting guard. And without him being there, you take away that, that weapon that you can definitely utilize throughout the postseason. But I think that Brooklyn's still going to be fine, to be honest with you, as long as they avoid having any like major injuries to either Harden or KD. Now, obviously, they're definitely going to have to rest them at some points throughout the course of the season, and they'll definitely have to pick their spots and and definitely try to you know make sure those guys are ready to go come playoff time. But as long as they keep those guys healthy for the most part, I think that the biggest thing is we need to see what that bench is looking like because they do have LaMarcus Aldridge, they do have Blake Griffin. But some of the guys like the the Bruce Browns and some of those guys who definitely had really good postseasons, they need to build up their own chemistry, which is why if Kyrie would have been there and only been able to play on the road, I think that would have definitely messed the chemistry up, which is why I said that it was the right move that Brooklyn uh, told him that until you're vaccinated, we don't want you with the team. So I think that when Kyrie comes back, if he comes back, that will be the major storyline for them. But ultimately, I think that this team, with or without Kyrie, should be in position to compete for a championship. I, don't, I just don't see why they shouldn't, unless you know either Katie or Harden get injured. Quick question. It's just a yes or no question. Do you think Kyrie will play this season? Yes. Yes, I do. Okay. I think I think it'll come down to like the uh, like the like the third of the season third of the way through the season he'll, he'll come back okay yeah i'm right there with you i think he does come back this season moving on number one seed who do you have milwaukee bucks they're the best team not only in the east but the, the best team in the nba for me because i think the longevity of them being together um as far as like their core pieces it, is going to be huge now the biggest thing will be how do you respond after you finally got to the mountaintop? And I think that Giannis already has shown that he wants to keep on winning because this dude is over here hitting step backs and doing crossovers and is doing turnaround jumpers in the preseason. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is the this is exactly what everybody was talking about with Ben Simmons. Like, if he got a jumper, he would be scary. And they said the same thing about Giannis. Yo, if he gets a jumper. He will be scared. And the dude, I'm not saying he's on the same level as Kevin Durant, but I'm saying bro, if, if he continues to get better like this and his game almost comes like to the same level, dang, bro, that's going to be another tough guy that you have to be like, man, Giannis is really tough to guard because he can beat you on the perimeter and he can beat you inside. 
he's not just a, a, a he's not just running to the rim or just trying to you know bulldoze his way through the rim. He can actually just spot up and just hit a, a three point shot now. So that's going to be something that it, as he develops throughout the season, it's just going to be like, dang, this dude is getting better and better and better. And you know, after the season that he had last year, winning a defensive, you know, winning uh, winning the championship and winning Finals MVP. I, I think that he's definitely not trying to give up that title anytime soon. Not, and the work shows for itself, and that's what we always talk about on on this podcast: that guys put in the work, and we give the and we give them the credit for it. When you don't put in the work, you know we can't really talk about you that much, unless you're distraction at practice. But <laughs> the Milwaukee Bucks is right there, number one seed for me as well. You mentioned it. Giannis in the preseason has looked that I mean that's all I really need to say he's been killing it shit he might even win another MVP if that's what he's doing this season plus they're getting Dante DiVincenzo back this team is still a championship contender and have uh and some even have them going back to back this season so the only thing I don't like about this team is them letting PJ Tucker walk and not replacing him so that was kind of the brutal part and he was the reason why I placed that bet last season and cashed out (laughs) but yeah PJ Tucker loss I think it's going to be a bigger loss than what people are anticipating but I, the, the Bucks, if like you mentioned, it's it's Giannis is doing what it does, and Chris Middleton, he even was great in the NBA Finals as well too. If if th- that duo right there, because we know what Drew Holiday is going to bring to the table every day, um, whether even if it's not even on the offensive end, defensively, he is one of the most consistent guys on defense in the league. So if if Giannis and, and Middleton do their thing like they did in the playoffs last year, the league got to watch out for the Bucks again this year. Moving on to the Western Conference, let's start off with the lottery teams. Who do you have at number 15? So number 15, I'm going to go with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, I think that I think I think I think that bear bear in mind, I think that they they do have good pieces and I do like what they have on paper, but it's still just I just don't think that that team is 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 good enough to be in the playing tournament yet for me i know carl anthony towns is there i know that they they d'angelo russell is there and and like i said i know they got good players but to me i just think that this team is just a little it's just missing something before i can pencil them in to make it into the the playing tournament but i mean hey that's an interesting take. Well, it's a good thing they actually had their first round pick this year, unlike last year, um, <laughs> which the Warriors had. But for me, 15, got to go with the OKC Thunder. Another rebuilding year for the Thunder. They gave SGA the bag this offseason, right, rightfully deserved by him. But to be honest, the only thing to look forward to this team is their youngsters and how they grow and the team's records of whose picks that they own. <laughs> like, not even their own picks, but who they own. Because I think they own the Rockets pick possibly this year. And uh, I know they own the Clippers pick this year for sure, too. So it'll be interesting for OKC to see um, the other teams that they own and just see how the youngsters play. 14th, I'm going to go with the Houston Rockets. Rockets are kind of on a similar boat as a Thunder, but they have a little more excitement to their team, in my opinion, because Kevin Porter last year at the end of the season balled out, triple-double machine. Jalen Green has lit up the preseason, and the rest of their youngsters have potential to 
make some noise in the future. The main thing for me, though, is Christian Wood's health because he was injury prone last season. Uh, so that's a key thing to monitor this season because he's vital for this Rockets, not only for their success, but just also just to maintain chemistry and grow as a team moving forward because he still has three years, I believe, left on his contract. And if Kevin Porter is your guard of the future and Jalen Green, if that's your backcourt of the future, Christian Wood is going to be a key part to this offense. But I think if everything goes right this season and the team is a cohesive unit, I think they could be a playing team next year. Who do you have at 14? 14, I'm right there with you. I got the Houston Rockets. Uh, and like you said, they have uh, an exciting, exciting pieces going on. Uh, shout out to uh, Josh Christopher. Uh, dude was uh, over at Mayfair a few years ago, and now he's over here in the NBA. Damn, bro. Like, how quickly it, it just turns out that, you know, these guys that you see in high school and in college, and then they all of a sudden go into the league. But uh, the Houston Rockets, like you said, they got a lot of things going on with them uh, as far as young, talented players. Like I mentioned, Josh Christopher, but also Jalen Green is going to be the guy who, man, everything he does is going to be uh, is going to be under a microscope. Especially like I seen uh, this pass that was looking like it was heading into like the third or fourth row, and this dude jumps up. And with one hand reaches in this like, bro, you might be in the wrong sport, my guy. You might be in the wrong sport. Might be need to be uh, putting on some pads and go play in the NFL. Like that was insane. His head was at the rim and his arms was way above the rim. Like dog. And he did that off vert. And that might not even be his, that might not even be his greatest trait about him on the (laughs) offensive end. (laughs) Exactly. So, I mean, like uh, I'm excited to see what he does this year. He's going to have like plenty of posters, plenty of highlights, and if anything, he's going to put on a show. And I think he, for me, uh, is is definitely going to be that guy who within like the next couple of years, if he can get a consistent jumper, that is going to be a scary guy right there. Number 13, 13 seed, who do you have? 13 seed, I'm going with the Oklahoma City Thunder. I think that the Oklahoma City Thunder are still obviously rebuilding. Like you said, they gave SGA the bag. Um, and I think that it's well-deserved when, when you ask me, but to be honest with you, they're still figuring out their identity as a whole. And with Sam Presti as your GM at any point in time, he might just be rubbing them hands together like Birdman with all them draft picks and just might drop a, a woge bomb out of nowhere. Like, Oh, there you go. <laughs> all these draft picks. And then you might just finesse a star. You never know. He just I'm, might. Go I'm ahead. constantly checking my phone just yeah, in case I get a I, Sam I'm, Presti notification. <laughs> and that's the crazy thing about OKC. They can literally go from being in the bottom of the barrel to the next, you know, they get another star to pair with SGA. That, that could be a, a nice pairing. And then you never know what they can potentially do in free agency. It's like that, that, that would just be a big time addition. I think if they're able to pull something like that off in the future, but for right now, I think that they, should have their eyes, you know, kind of pretty much focused on what reality is. And reality is they're not a good team right now. And I think that that's not necessarily a bad thing in the grand scheme of things. 13 for me, I'm going to go with the San Antonio Spurs. They lost to Marta Rosen. It will be a a tough one because they didn't even make the uh, playoffs last year. So, and then they lost their best players. So it's, it's definitely going to be tough for the San Antonio Spurs. I think it's look like looking like they're kind of heading towards a rebuild period for the Spurs, but their head's still above water. They're treading water for their life. Well, I should say for Popovich's life as well, too, because I think that this could, this is his last year. Yeah. Yeah. I could, this is his last year 
for Popovich. And I think this is the last year that the Spurs are, uh, aren't a rebuilding team. Cause I think they're, they're going to hit the rebuild button start of next season, depending on how this season goes, which I don't think will go well. Moving on to number 12 for me, I got the Minnesota Timberwolves. Their emergence towards the end of last season for Anthony Edwards makes me feel optimistic about this Timberwolves team. And then they, on top of that, they got one of my favorite guys in the league and Pat Bev. Um, so he's hopefully going to make this team tough and gritty because they definitely, that's definitely what they need from this team. Um, but it's now on the young guys to see whether they, they'll, they'll listen to him or not. Cause you know, we, there's been a history of this team, you know, not having their head on their shoulders and, you know, not focusing strictly on the NBA, but if they can stay healthy this season, I think this could be the last year uh, for the Timberwolves rebuild and they'll finally be in the, the playoff contention. Who do you have at number 12? Number 12, um, right there, I'm going to say the San Antonio Spurs at number 12 for me. I think that, like you said, Popovich's time is coming to an end, unfortunately, for Spurs fans out there. But I think that I wouldn't honestly be shocked that they finesse and get into the playing tournament just because it's the Spurs. But like you say, they lost to Marta Rosen. They've kind of been, you know, losing a lot of different of their star players. And you know what really is crazy is this whole downhill turn for the Spurs literally happened after the whole Kawhi Leonard drama thing happened. Once they traded Kawhi, the Spurs really have not been the same as a franchise. And kind of kind of happened to the to Raptors as well, too. <laughs> exactly. Like Kawhi just has that that, that same like makes me thankful that, for the Clippers resigning him. <laughs> <laughs> has that sort of presence where it's like, man, dude, like you got rid of him and they thought that they were just gonna send him over to Canada and you know they got a, they thought that they got a comparable piece in DeMar, but I mean, hey, the the Spurs I feel like got the worst end of that deal and they don't really have anything to show for it, losing DeMar for nothing. So I mean it's kind of crazy how you look at it, they don't have any a, a lot of draft capital to really work with that they can utilize. They didn't really do anything in this past year's draft that made you go, you know, wow. So I, I just think that they're they're still going to be, a, uh, they're on the cusp of being a re- rebuilding team, like you said, and this will probably be the final nail in the coffin once Popovich uh, decides to end off his NBA coaching career. Moving on to 11, who do you have? Number 11, I'm actually going to go with the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, I'm going to say the Pelicans just miss out on the playing tournament. And I think it's because they got they got worse than what they because they lost Lonzo Ball and they made some interesting moves in the offseason that I just am kind of scratching my head about and wondering, look, they still got Brandon Ingram. They still have Zion. But Zion's going to be missing the first half of the season, unfortunately. Uh, we don't really know what it, when he'll be back. But I just think it's going to be a lot of pressure on the shoulders of Brandon Ingram to kind of keep them above water. And, uh, you know, that's going to be a tough whole scenario. So I think the best that they can kind of hope for is, is being in that position. And so I think that if, if it was under different circumstances, maybe they could be better. But since they are literally only relying on Zion and Brandon Ingram for, for, for their success this year, I think it's going to be tough only having one of those, uh, of, of their uh, big time players. I'm right there with you at 11. I got the Pelicans as well too. I like the Pelicans and I want them to have a chance at the playoffs, 
But after they signed Willie Green as a head coach, I just I couldn't do it. I I can't wrap my head around their last two head coach signings in uh, Stan Van Gundy and now Willie Green. I do like the addition of Devontae Graham and Valanchunas for the Steven Adams trade. I think Valanchunas is a great, great piece for this team just because he can stretch the floor with how much Zion and Brandon Ingram uh, go to the paint. But I really don't have faith in this team this year. And I, I will more than happy to eat my words uh this season but because i really want to see zion and brandon ingram in the playoffs i, I think they're they're just Me fun too. to go to watch but I, I just don't think that this is the year that they'll do it i'm hopeful for next year yeah because honestly i I'm, i've been waiting to see brandon ingram in the playoffs because it because remember him and ben simmons were in the same draft class together so it, it and you know that's the one thing that I've been like kind of disappointed is like man we haven't been able to see bi and in, in playoff in the playoffs yet and I feel like when we do it's gonna be a scary sight to see. Love to see that. Moving on to the playing teams at number ten, I got the Sacramento Kings. I really like what the Sacramento Kings have done this season, um, but I think they're going to be victims to being in the Western Conference because they have an abundance of good guards with De'Aaron Fox, Buddy Heald, uh, Davion Mitchell, and Tyrese Halliburton. And I can definitely see Buddy Heald being traded uh, this season to a team uh, so they can get a solid wing player in return and kind of propel this team into playoff contention. Um, But this season, I think the big, big story for this season is going to be the big tale of whether – Marvin Bagley can finally play to his potential that the t- team thought uh, he could have when they took him number two overall over Luca and Trey Young. So if he doesn't play to his potential, uh, I think that it would not surprise me that he would be traded with Buddy Heald as well, too, um, to get, you know, a really good wing player and help this team. Because right now, I believe starting at small forward or power forward is Mo Harkless. So I, I, if they can get someone to upgrade over Mo, Mo Harkless, this team would be would be good. Who do you have at number 10? Number 10, I'm right there with you. Uh, I got the Sacramento Kings as well, making it into the uh, playing tournament. And it's a very interesting dynamic that they got going on because on paper, they really got a lot of pieces that you're like, you know, if they were maybe in the East, maybe they could be a little bit better. But, you know, even that saying that, uh, you know, the East got better this year too. So, I feel like the Sacramento Kings, uh, good, solid team, but there's definitely a few, a, a few teams that are above them at the moment in time. But I, I, if they get into the playing tournament, who knows? That one game, you know, scenario, you really never know what can happen. But uh, the Aaron Fox, I'm excited to see what he does. Tyrese Halliburton, I'm excited to see what he's going to do as well. Like you said, the whole Buddy Hill scenario would be interesting to see if they deal him off. Um, if they keep him, that'll be even interesting to see too, because we're, how, you know, how do they utilize, you know, Buddy Hill with all the different, you know, guard play that they have. So um, I'm, I'm curious to see what Sacramento is going to do, uh, do this year, but I think that they got enough to, to be in the, at least the playing tournament. Who do you have at number nine? Number nine, I'm going with the Portland trailblazers. Um, I think that with Portland, man, they're, they're a team that, they're just they're just a weird team and it's like once again rolling the ball out with Damon CJ once again and I, and look I get it I mean there was a lot of different controversy and rumors still rumors right now about whether or not Dame is trying to stay is he trying to go a lot of people saying he should leave and look I totally understand it you're in a team right now a small market team right now that's literally doing 
you know, all they really can do as far as, you know, their financial status and not being able to lure in a lot of big time free agents or anything of that nature. So all they can kind of hope for is trying to pull off trades and trying to, you know, hit, hit, uh, hit with their draft picks. So I think that Portland really, this is kind of going to be a, a tough season for them, but if they don't make it into the playing tournament, then I'm wondering if Dane does hit them with the trade request. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting. Number nine, I got the Memphis Grizzlies really rolling out with the same team that they had that, that made the playoffs last year, except the exchange for Valanciunas for uh, Adams. Um, the Grizzlies are still waiting for Jaron Jackson Jr. to take that next step in being a complete big man because he's he's great when it comes to protecting the rim and stretching the floor. But, you know, rebounding, I mean, they got Steven Adams for that, but still and and, and fully on the defensive end to, to be able to guard the perimeter as well, too. So they're waiting to see him take that next step. And then John Morant also taking that next step and becoming a better three point shooter, because if he can do that. Boy, the league's got to watch out for John Morant because he can easily. I think if he gets a consistent three point shot, he can. Because not to say he's a bad three point shooter, he's just not consistent. So if he can get that, I think he can even move into that to that top five point guard in the NBA possibly. So it'll be interesting to see the Memphis Grizzlies, but I have him sitting at uh, the ninth seed in the playing tournament. Moving on to the eighth seed. I got to go with my L.A. Clippers, all bias aside. I think the Clippers are kind of being undersold this year. I think I, I, I get it. Obviously, no Kawhi, um, but I think their regular season will be a little rough just because in games without Kawhi Leonard, the Clippers are 11 and nine. Granted, some of the games that, the, that he sat out, they weren't going against the best teams as well, too. But with Kawhi out, I think there's huge potential for breakout seasons from Terrence Mann. Reggie Jackson can turn black the clock because we saw we saw him do that in the playoffs. And then Marcus Morris, uh, we've seen the potential he had when he was on the New York Knicks. I think he could turn back the clock as well, too. So I have high hopes for the Clippers, not in the regular seasons, but the playoffs, because I honestly think that Kawhi could come back around March or April. I think he, he makes a return this season. Um, also, watch out. For M- I'm, I'm always going to be a proponent of him, but watch out for MVP caliber season from Paul George. If the Clippers uh, avoid the play-in tournament this season and secure a playoff spot, one through six, definitely think Paul George will be in that MVP conversation. Who do you have at number eight? Number eight, I'm going with the Dallas Mavericks. I feel like Dallas is... Once again, going to be in that that that's uh that same like seven eighth uh C type situation, and I just think it's like yes, they have Luca, and then you know they they uh they have a team where it's kind of like Luca has to has to be great, otherwise they're going to struggle to win games, and even when he is great, sometimes they do even struggle to win games. So. Um, I think they're just missing somebody to pair up with him that can kind of mesh. They were hoping that Porzingis would be that guy, but it doesn't look like that's working out all that well. Tim Hardaway is a great piece to have because whenever Luca uh, needs somebody to, you know, sort of put on that cape and help bail him out, Tim Hardaway always seems to be right there to be able to hit that big shot. And we saw him do that plenty of times in last season's playoffs and in the bubble. So uh, I think that, He's definitely that dude, but they're just missing that one other guy, that you know, other star player that can take all the pressure off of Luca. And, you know, even like because sometimes, you know, what teams do, they might even like throw a double team his way and force the ball out of his hands. And that kind of puts pressure on the other guys that have to step up. But if you give, you know, somebody else who's a star caliber player alongside of him, 
then you can't double team him and you got to just have to bite the bullet and take him one-on-one and one-on-one he's just like he's just similar to James Harden he can do pretty much the similar things and, and hit you with all the different types of moves and be able to get to the cup or hit you with that cold step back and break your heart so I think that Dallas for me will go as far as Luka takes them I think AFC is pretty realistic because I just don't see him going above what they did last year and going any worse than that number seven who do you have number seven I'm going with uh Cush's Clippers uh, I think that, like you said, they are kind of being underrated, but I do like this team even without Kawhi Leonard. I think they definitely turned heads. Terrence Mann came, became a man in last season's <laughs> playoffs. The dude was just playing out of his mind. Uh, I think that they definitely had a lot of depth than a lot of people realized, and I'm excited to see what they do look like even without Kawhi because I think – whether Kawhi comes back early or whether he, you know, sits out for, you know, majority of the this season, I think that the Clippers are still going to be a, a team that you kind of have to keep your eyes on because if you take your eyes off of them, then you <laughs> builds to start going on a run of wins. So um, I would be very surprised if the Clippers end up with a top three or top five seed. But if they did, then I think that's a credit to, like you said, to Paul George. And if they were able to end up in the, at least a top five to top three range, then uh, Paul George should be up there for MVP. <laughs> I think that's the only way that, they, that can happen. Yeah. Moving on to seven for me, I got the Portland Trailblazers. I find myself doing this every season. <laughs> but this is not a knock on Damian Lillard either because he's a top three point guard and you can even say a top ten player in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Um but I just oh, we talk about this every year. We I can't get behind his pairing of CJ McCollum and him anymore. I say this every season, but this has to be the last season of the duo. <laughs> I think I've been saying that for the past two, three years. We maybe. have, we have, we have. We really I, have. I think them bringing in Chauncey Billups as their new head coach is a good enough excuse to elongate the duo's time together. Right. Um, and they're going to be good this season because they're always good, but they're just not contender good. So that, <laughs> no. that's, that's why I and. Dame Lillard is in his prime right now. Yep. He's uh, it, the, the clock is ticking because, like you said, with maybe I, I don't think that he gets traded this season at all. Maybe McCullum does, but I don't even think that'll happen. So if anything, think it's going to it's going to happen in the offseason if uh, things don't go as planned um, in the in the uh, playoffs for the Portland Trailblazers. Moving on to the playoff teams at number six, I'm going to go with the Golden State Warriors. The Warriors had one of the most successful off-seasons, in my opinion. They hit on their draft picks, uh, getting uh, Kaminga and getting uh, Moses Moody. God damn it, Kendrick Perkins. But And then obviously they're getting Klay Thompson back uh, sooner than later. Hopefully he's the same Klay Thompson that he is. And Jordan Poole. He is taking a lot of strides in the right direction. So six man of the year, six man of the year. It's possible. It is very possible. Um, but he's got, and then on top of that, they got solid veterans on the low low. Got Iguodala back. Got Otto Porter, who I think is a very underrated signing for them. And then hopefully, they're hoping that James Wiseman can come back uh, from his injury. And take that step to being the number two overall potential that he has, because I am still aboard the James Wiseman uh, hype train, and I think he is very good. It's just him fitting in with this team, which I think he can fit in with this team great, but I, I don't. 
it's, it's up to him and it's up to Steve Kerr because I expect the Warriors to be great again. And I expect them to save Steve Kerr's ass from being on the hot seat again, <laughs> because we mentioned it in like probably middle of last season or something like that about whether we think he's overrated or not. But yeah, I, I got the Warriors at six. Who do you have at the six seed? I got the Warriors at the six seed as well. I think them bring, getting the band back together. Clay's looking good. He's ready to go. Uh, Steph is being Steph, but Jordan Poole, I think, is the big surprise out of everybody. I don't think anybody expected him to be playing as well as he did in the preseason. If that translates into the regular season, that is going to be a six-man-of-the-year candidate. Book it right now because I think that guy really, ever since he kind of came out in, uh, from Michigan, has been has been kind of like you know simmering, having flashy plays here and there. But that could be, you know, him being on the cusp of being a six man of the year candidate could, you know, could justify and could, you know, show that, hey, maybe the Warriors, their uh, their their draft picks, you know, that that would be a, a good uh, a, a, a good turn of faith. And I think that would also, you know, show their current, you know, draft picks that are, are coming into the league with Moody and Kaminga that I think that they could get some significant time too, if they are trying to develop them and, and trying to, you know, give them some, some minutes to alleviate the pressure off of clay and Steph. And I think that you don't want to be burning out either one of those guys, because you definitely need them. If you're going to be making it uh, deep into the playoffs, which we always know the Warriors can always have the potential of doing. So ultimately I feel like, this season for Golden State is going to be a fun one because everybody's going to be back. And I think the biggest storyline, like you said, is can James Wiseman get into that number uh, top two overall pick uh, potential? And can he start to look like the James Wiseman that we saw at Memphis and in high school and the dude that we've expected to you know dominate? and be a big key, key piece of this Warriors team, not just this season, but going forward when a lot of those guys, you know, when they start to do like the reload, because I think that Golden State's not trying to do a rebuild. They're trying to reload and they're trying to make sure that they get as much as young talent as possible. So that way when, you know, Steph and Clay and Draymond, when those guys kind of, you know, hit that, hit that wall and who even knows, because there's been a lot of rumors about Draymond being on the trade block. So, I mean, I wouldn't, I mean, you can't can't put anything past the, the Warriors front office because that that could be a definite possibility. But I don't I doubt it this year, but maybe in the offseason. Yeah, I doubt it as well, too, because when they see Clay come back, I, I, I think Draymond Green is so vital for that team, especially defensively. Exactly. Moving to number five. Who do you have? Number five. I'm going with the Memphis Grizzlies, man. I, I feel like this team. Whoa! Hey, hey, this is going to be like the Western Conference version of the Atlanta Hawks last year. I'm ta- I'm telling you right now, okay. they're ta- they're taking that leap. I'm all in on this young okay. Memphis Grizzlies team. It's about to be the resurrection of the grind over there in Memphis, man, but a different type of grind. I mean, they're going to hit you in many different ways. I like the fact they got that dude, Dylan Brooks, who, yes, is inconsistent, but, man, when he is on, he reminds me of, like, J.R. Smith, bro. He can turn up that microwave and just start cooking dudes. And John Morant, like you said, if he develops with a consistent three-point shot, pair that along with his athleticism, that dude's going to be scary. And then Jared Jackson, who was not really all there for them last season, but if he's fully healthy and ready to go and he's that same type of dude that's going to be 
pounding it down in the middle and being able to stretch the floor and hit maybe that uh, occasional outside shot, that's going to make them even more dynamic. But I think the Grizzlies, man, I've been I've been seeing them develop and they've been taking step by step. They were they, you know, in the bubble a couple seasons ago, just missed out on making the playoffs. They finally broke through, made the playoffs, albeit didn't have that much success when they did so. But I think that this is the year where they break into and not only get into the postseason, but solidify themselves with the postseason spot at number five. And number five for me, I got to go with the Denver Nuggets. Uh, another Jokic MVP possibly coming or a Michael Porter Jr. Most Improved Player season coming possibly. But that'd be the case, I think, if, if they remain a top six seed while Jamal Murray is recovering from his ACL surgery because they should be getting him back towards the uh, middle of the season. But they brought back basically everyone, and I love the addition of Jeff Green to this team, a versatile player, um, kind of like a, a poor's man's Aaron. Actually, I wouldn't even say a poor's man, but kind of a, a, a second type of Aaron Gordon to this team. Uh, so definitely like that move by him. I expect a big season out of Michael Porter Jr. this season and, I, and really step up to be that viable number two scoring option to Nikola Jokic. For me, at the fourth seed, I got to go with the Dallas Maverick. Luka Doncic, that's all I really got to say. I think he could possibly take the crown to be the best player in the NBA this season um, just because he's that good. But um, the team didn't really do much to get him weapons around him besides, I guess you could say, Reggie Bullock. But they did give him a $200 million extension. So I guess it kind of balances out in a way. But uh, all eyes are going to be on Porzingis and how he performs this season. Because if it's anything like last season or how he was in the playoffs, I completely fully expect this team to uh, trade him come trade deadline. Who do you have at number four? Number four, got the Denver Nuggets at number four. Uh, Still a solid overall team to me. Um, Definitely still going to be missing Jamal Murray, but I think that's going to more so show. uh, But that showed in uh, the postseason of last year. Definitely, definitely showed. Because I think if they would have had him, I would have been more intrigued to have seen how Denver would have matched up with uh, Phoenix had Jamal Murray been there. With him not being there, put a lot of pressure on the shoulders of Jokic. And for me, Jokic, yes, he won the MVP last year, and he's shut me up as far as saying that he's he's definitely capable of of being a dude who can can lead a team. But can he lead a team to a championship? That's still the jury is still still out on that. And I mean, we'll still have to wait and see on whether or not he get that team over the hump. And uh, Michael Porter Jr., I think after he got paid that bag, <laughs> it'll be intriguing to see how his season goes because you know. Uh, with the whole controversy about, you know, vaccines or whatever. I, I mean, you know, we don't know what's going to happen, but I'll be intrigued to see how their season goes and whether or not they'll be uh, they'll be fighting for, you know, more than just a top four spot. How about at number three? Who do you have? Number three, I'm going with the Utah Jazz. Uh, for me, I, I, I like the fact that Utah uh, – is still rolling the ball back out with that same team because it just continues to show that, um, hey, they, they, if it ain't broke, don't don't fix it. But for the most part, we already know what this team is going to be like for me. Uh, and, and, and it's not a knock on them, but it's just to say that they're very limited because we see how good teams – I think people need to start understanding that there's a difference between being really good in the regular season – and being a legitimate team that we know is going to be there 
competing and fighting for a championship. And even though last year everybody was saying that the Jazz are being disrespected, the Jazz are being disrespected, I'm like, dog, they're limited because of the fact that, look, if D. Mitchell goes cold, who are they going to turn to? So I think that's where Mike Conley's going to have to step up. I think that's where um, Rudy Gobert is going to have to somehow step up. I'm not expecting him to put up crazy numbers on the offensive end, but I'm expecting him to at least provide more than what he's currently doing because we already know what you're good at and we know what you dominate at as far as defense, but you're going to have to show me a little bit more. If I'm, if I'm Utah and I'm, I'm a Jazz fan, I'm hoping and praying that somebody other than Donovan Mitchell can help carry some of that offensive load because he'll just continue to get burnt out once we hit the playoffs. For me at number three, I got the Los Angeles Lakers. What was the what was that Kyrie moving Kyrie Irving movie called again? Uh, Uncle, Uncle Drew. Drew. Yeah. Uncle Drew. Yeah, Uncle Drew, where he gets all his former teammates who are like seventy plus <laughs> years old and makes a team. Yeah, that's the Lakers this season. <laughs> uh, but I'm I'm not being a hater. But the Lakers that they, they look good this season on paper. They have a lot of talent on this team from the moves they made this off season. It's just whether they can be cohesive and the floor spacing is what my concern is. And also with the load management of uh, LeBron and Anthony Davis, because Westbrook's a great addition to this team because I think they are going to load manage LeBron and AD. I think he's more than capable of running a team. Uh, But I just wonder when they're all together, how's that floor spacing going to look? Because like they don't have (laughs) like they have good shooters on their team, but they don't have like those sharp shooters that like, you know, um, like, Camp Bazemore, like he he's a decent shooter. Carmelo, he he's proven he could still be a good shooter, but like really after that, it's it's nobody. But like I said, uh last year for them, they uh obviously they they needed a big man. And what did they do? They brought back um big men to help them in Dwight Howard, and also they brought in DeAndre Jordan, who I think still can flash back now that he's I mean, I said that last year, too, when he was on a contending team, didn't really pan out. But we'll, we'll, we'll see um, with uh, DeAndre Jordan. And then obviously the reason why I have him at number three, because they still got a guy by the name of LeBron James. So they're going to be successful in the regular season. They're going to be successful in the postseason as well, too, if they can stay healthy. But that's why I got the Lakers at three, just because I think of load management as a, a big proponent as why they wouldn't um, uh, get uh, the top two seeds. What do you got at number two? At number two, I'm going to go with the Utah Jazz. Same team that had the best record in the NBA last season, and they're running it back. But they added Rudy Gay, Eric Pascal, and Hassan Whiteside. Sounds like they got a lot better this <laughs> offseason, in my opinion. Not to say beso- or not much to say besides that they need to stay healthy, really, especially Mike Conley, um, in order to maintain their regular season success. And two-year argument on the Jazz, I'll, I'll play devil's advocate for the jazz side you talking about them not being successful in the playoffs i think if they definitely were healthy with mike conley and donovan mitchell he had uh he was battling a, a ankle injury the entire time against the clippers i think maybe they're a little more successful um but i mean who's to say injuries are a part of the game and and we'll, we'll have to wait and see to see if this uh, jazz team can stay healthy who do you have at number two And number two, I'm going to go with the Los Angeles Lakers. Yeah, like you were saying, as far as, uh, you know, a lot of guys, like had this team on paper gotten together three to four years ago, damn, that would like honestly been like, yo, a God squad, to be honest with you. Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Russell Westbrook, Carmelo Anthony, like that would just been crazy. But 
because it's 2021. <laughs> this team is, yes, I think capable, but it, it we, we see, I'm already seeing in the preseason some issues that are going to prevent them from being the number one overall seed, just because when you look at a lot of different, like, chemistry aspects that are going on and it's funny enough i seen a tweet that said uh <laughs> when the whole Kyrie news was going on somebody said somebody said like uh katie calling lebron like hey bro how'd you play with uh Kyrie?" <laughs> and then lebron responded how'd you play with Ron? <laughs> so it's gonna be some building blocks that they're gonna have to go through because russ is gonna turn the ball over and he's gonna have those games where laker fans are gonna be wondering why did we trade for this dude <laughs> When just a few months ago, y'all were saying that y'all were happy to have him. Oh, <laughs> y'all were Laker saying, fans. Hey, but it's going to happen because we know already he is going to be the third fiddle. And we've already seen when you're the third fiddle on a LeBron James team, just ask Kevin Love, just ask Chris Bosh, and, <laughs> and, and, and Russell Westbrook, you know, is going to be in that same tandem. He's going to be that scapegoat. He, he's going to be the Dennis guy. Schroeder. He's going to be the guy who everybody points the finger at and goes, why why did we get you why are you here and he's gonna take all the shots as far as not literally but he's gonna take all the shots from, <laughs> from laker fans but uh ultimately once they get the chemistry down and they get the spacing down that's gonna be key because we already know these guys are already steady in their ways these guys are, are well into their nba careers and then into their prime so they're, they're not changing. No, I don't think anybody's changing up their game necessarily, but they can do little things here and there in order to be productive where they can try in order to, you know, help each other out and help um, make each other feel comfortable with playing with each other because there's, there's going to be stretches where the Lakers are going to have to figure out, like, okay, especially in the half-court set, how do you, like, keep all these guys on the floor and how do you keep the floor space so that LeBron can do what he does, Russ can do what he does, and AD can do what he does. So the Team 360 is going to have to figure that out. Well, then that leads to the Phoenix Suns being your number one seed. Why is that? Phoenix going number one for me. I think they got a bad taste in their mouth after what happened with the NBA Finals and – especially when you look at the fact that like there was all this speculation about whether or not Chris Paul was going to want to come back or if he was going to want to go to another team. I think he came back for a reason. And then you pair him alongside with D book now. And then also you got, you got to remember Deandre Aiden's going to be hungry this year because they did not uh, decide to negotiate a contract extension with him uh, as far as giving him a max, because well, they wanted, negotiated it. They he just well, didn't come. They, didn't well, come to terms. they couldn't come to this attorney because he wanted a he wanted a bag. He thought he was getting like a crazy deal. I think and it was were, more on. Don't mean to interrupt you, but I, I think it was more on the year side. Like the, yeah. the Suns wanted to give him a two, three year, but he wanted a he, four or five. Yeah, year. yeah, he wants a max. Yeah, he wants something like longevity, and I can totally understand why. And I think that's gonna push him to want to be like, oh, y'all don't want to pay me. Okay, well. I'm going to go out here and go crazy. So I think that, I think that it's going to, it's just going to be, uh, it's going to be a tough time. It's going to be a tough time for the rest of the, the Western conference, because they're going to deal with all these guys who just went to the finals last year and ha- still have a really solid overall team and a young team at that too. So we already know that the rust is not going to really be there. They're going to shake off all that rust and they're going to have that chemistry that they still had last year. And they still got 
the same team that they had a year ago. So I feel like they're just going to be that much better after a season where you got to the finals, you finally broke through. This is going to be a year where the Phoenix Suns are going to continue to be who they were a, a season ago, but I think just be that much better. And I think that they'll be that team that ends up taking it as far as the top spot, but whether or not they take, they go back to the finals. That's another story. That's another question. That's another question that we got to answer. I think DeAndre Ayton should have just in their, in their negotiations, he should have just had in the background that game two game winner against the Clippers that that game winning dunk of his should have just had that replaying in the background. Maybe it would have changed their, their, uh, their heads but for me i'm right there with you i got the phoenix suns at the first seed western conference champs are the team who i think will have the best record in the west uh same team running it back they added a sharpshooter in landry shamit who they paid and then i i mentioned it last year i said the biggest achilles heel for this team was not having a backup big man and they went out and got one of the best backup big men that you can get in javel mcgee uh, but I will say, though, it'll be interesting. You mentioned the DeAndre Ayton and how the Suns extension will or uh, fail to come to a Suns extension will translate onto the court. I don't think it will because I think he understands how amazing the situation he's in right now. But, hey, we know money talks. And if it's not extended like he should have been, there is a slight, slight possibility for some midseason drama. I highly doubt it, but there is a possibility for it. But, um, yeah, the Phoenix Suns. I like them basically running it back with the same team. If they can stay healthy, we've seen Chris Paul the last two seasons uh, maintain healthy uh, uh, because of his new diet. Maybe it is, but uh, he, he's in yeah. his health. But and and I think that is a huge, huge credit to him and to the success of the Phoenix Suns last season. So I think it translate uh, translates again to this season, and they finish with the number one seed. Yeah, as long as Chris Paul is there, then they have no reason to be scared. But if he's not, then I would be very, very worried about their not just uh, not just their championship contention, but their playoff <laughs> stance because that's going to put a lot more pressure on the shoulders of uh, Devin Booker. And we've seen in the years past when he has to do it by himself. It's kind of it's a whole different story. But with Chris Paul there, I think they should be fine. Yeah. All right, let's move on to our playoff predictions. Let's start off with the play-in tournament in the Eastern Conference. Who did who do we have getting the seventh and eighth seed in the playoffs? Uh, just run down your seven through ten again in the Eastern Conference. So my seven through ten. So at the seventh spot, I got the Bulls. At the eighth spot, I got the Raptors. At the ninth spot was the Pacers, and at the tenth tenth spot was the Charlotte Hornets. So who do you have getting the seventh and eighth seed? So for me, um, in that matchup between the Bulls and the Raptors, I got the Bulls taking it to solidify themselves as the seventh seed. And then in the matchup between the Charlotte Hornets and the oh, – I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I did that wrong. So it's the Bulls versus and the Hornets. Versus the Hornets. I got the Bulls winning, so they'll be the seventh seed. And then – the Hornets are going to play against the uh, against the the Pacers, and I got the I got the Hornets beating out the Pacers. Got it. So for me, my seven through ten, ten I had the Pacers, nine I had the Hornets, eight I had the Knicks, and seven I had the Bulls. So for me, I'm gonna go with the seven seed going to the Chicago Bulls, and then the eight seed. 
a little surprised, but I got the Hornets. I got to ride with the Hornets. I'm all along the Hornets bandwagon this season, and I got them taking the eighth seed. Moving on to the Western Conference, my seven through ten, I had the at the seven, I had the Portland Trailblazers. At eight, I had the LA Clippers. At nine, I had the Memphis Grizzlies. And at 10, I had the Sacramento Kings. Seven seed, I have going to the Trailblazers. And eight seed, I got going to the LA Clippers. Who do you have? So my seventh seed, I got the Clippers. My eighth seed, I got the Mavericks. Ninth seed, the Trailblazers. And the tenth seed is the Kings. And then so in the matchups, uh, I got the Clippers knocking off the Kings. I got the Mavericks uh, knocking off the Trailblazers. Trailblazers, yes. Mm, so that be, should be a fun matchup. Yes, it will be. Yes, it will be. All right. Now, since we got our one through eights in each conference, let's uh, just talk about our matchups. Well, we don't got to get into the games, but uh, for me in the Eastern Conference, I got uh, the one seed, the Bucks, taking on the Hornets with the eighth seed. Two seed, I got the Nets. Seven seed, I got the Bulls. And then the three-seeded Heat playing the six-seeded Sixers. And then the four-seeded Celtics playing the five-seeded uh, Hawks. That Celtics-Hawks one should be a good one. And the Nets-Bulls should be a good one <laughs> for me. Who do you have in the Eastern Conference? So the Eastern Conference, uh, so the first seed is going to be the Bucks, And they're going to take on the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, the second-seeded Nets are going to be taking on the Bulls. Excited for that. It's going to be crazy. Uh, third seed Heat take on the six seeded Sixers. Another matchup of that. That should be fun. And the fifth seed uh, Hawks should be taking on the Boston Celtics, who are the fourth seed. So we got the same exact Eastern Conference matchups in the playoffs. Let's move on to the Western Conference. Who do you have? So I got the number one overall seeded Phoenix Suns taking on the eight-seeded Dallas Mavericks. I got the two-seeded Lakers going up against the Clippers in the first round. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) Oh, my God. Which, if that happens, that will be insane. All hell will break loose (laughs) whenever team wins. Yes. Because Kawhi, hopefully, at that point, will be back. And then uh, we'll have uh, the Utah Jazz at the three seed taking on the six-seeded Golden State Warriors. The fourth-seeded Nuggets will take on the fifth-seeded Memphis Grizzlies. So for me, I got the one-seeded Suns, uh, a little Western Conference rematch or finals rematch going up against the Clippers as the eighth seed. Two-seeded Jazz going up against the seven-seeded Warriors. Um, And then the three – no, I'm sorry – I messed this up. Sorry, the seven-seeded Trailblazers. So the Jazz taking on the Trailblazers, the two-seven. Third-seeded Lakers taking on the six-seeded Warriors. And then the fourth-seeded Mavericks going up against the fifth-seeded Nuggets. So with that being said, let's talk about the NBA Finals and matchups. I'll go first. If Kawhi comes back healthy and plays like he did last year before he got injured, I got the Clippers versus the Nets. If he does not, then uh, honestly, I wish we could see a Bucks nets finals because I feel like that'd be the most interesting finals because I remember they were talking about reshuffling the, <laughs> the last four teams, um, but I don't think that ever went through. So um, I'm going to say the Lakers versus the Nets in the NBA finals if, the, if Kawhi doesn't come back. So who do you have as your matchup? So for me, I have the Nets just getting over the hump and defeating 
the Milwaukee Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals in seven games. And then on the opposite end in the Western Conference Finals, I have the Lakers going up against against the Utah Jazz and the Lakers do prevail. They defeat the Jazz in six. And so it is going to be the Brooklyn Nets, the LA Lakers and my NBA finals matchup, the matchup everybody wants to see probably will not happen. I'll say this right now. It probably will not happen, but and the winner is the winner is the Brooklyn Nets. I got the Brooklyn Nets taking it home. I, I think that like I'm predicting Kyrie will be back in the fold. And if Kyrie comes back in the fold, the Nets win the championship. So I know that uh, I kind of, I, I know I said this, um, the Clippers and Nets and Lakers and Nets. So I, I'm kind of cheating in a way. I got two <laughs> finals matchups, but my number one will be the Clippers Nets. That's how I have it going. And if that's the case, I could see the Clippers winning that one. Uh, you could say bias, non-bias, I don't know, whatever, but I got the Clippers winning their first ever franchise championship. Um, and then if it's a Lakers nets, I got the nets winning the championship, just like you do. And to be honest with you, if Kawhi comes back healthy, that would not be all that like far-fetched because we already saw what that team did last year in the playoffs and how they got Kawhi without Kawhi. And how they went on a crazy run. And I think all you got to do is like just get just be healthy and just be playing your best ball at the right time. That's really all it is about. So I think honestly, I think that even though I have it going this way and I have the Nets winning it, 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 it can honestly we, we, we don't really know what's in store this NBA season. And I'm excited for all the twists, all the turns, all the craziness, all the chaos, to be honest with you. Because I got a feeling that we're going to see a lot more different crazy storylines and all these different trades, especially when it hits the trade deadline. We don't know what's going to happen there either. But based off what these current teams look like right now on opening day, this is what we got going with. Absolutely. But that's going to wrap it up for this episode. NBA predictions. Let us know if you agree, disagree with us. Let us know what you guys think about your predictions. Hit us up on our social media on Twitter at the underscore nosebleeds. That's K-N-O-W-S bleeds on Instagram, the nosebleeds and on Facebook. Look up the nosebleeds podcast. We're going to be coming out with our overtime, our award predictions uh, by the end of this week. So make sure you stay tuned for that um, because that's going to be on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff. And uh, this episode will be on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. If you guys like what you're listening to, shoot us a five-star rating. Write us a review if you're feeling generous because that really helps us out. Corey, any last words before we finally have NBA tip-off? Uh, let the madness begin and I just cannot wait to see what goes on and I'm really excited to see what some of these uh, these upcoming teams that we were looking at like the Bulls uh, the, 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 the Hornets uh, the, the Kings also are going to be you know an exciting team I think as well um, but just really honestly I'm just looking forward to see NBA basketball and if you don't like this show if you don't like this episode you don't like NBA basketball baby that is true we will catch y'all next time deuces deuces